The Power, Potential, and Peril of the GameStop Affair by Max Haven, read by the author, published in Roar Magazine on February 3rd, 2021. There is an apocryphal story that in the ancient Mediterranean, slaves, being transported to market in the hold of a ship, realized that, though otherwise powerless, they could coordinate their collective movement, hurling themselves from side to side of their crowded cabin, their shared momentum rocking the ship to the point of overturning it. Imagine the debate. The most short-sighted might have said, now we, not our captors, are in charge of our fate. Others urged the immediate use of the suicidal tactic, better to die free, together, and have a last revenge. Still others counseled negotiations with the ship's crew with this desperate tactic as a bargaining chip. Some, perhaps all, must have silently thought to themselves, if I betray my fellow slaves to the captain, maybe I'll be rewarded. In our day, the ship is part of the armada of world-destroying digitalized capitalism currently presided over by the financial sector. The GameStop revolt represents our discovery of a new expression of the power of collective movement, hidden all this time in plain sight. Unfortunately, unlike the movement of the slaves in this story, and contrary to the starry-eyed hype of many of its self-styled prophets, this momentary rebellion has no real potential in itself to sink Wall Street. The capsizing of one or even several ships in a slaving fleet would not overturn the system that put those boats and others to sea. Neither will the decapitation of a few over-leveraged hedged funds lead to the collapse of the financial sector. Yet the questions asked below deck, then, are the same now. Having discovered our power, how can we make the most of it? Let's recap. Last week, headlines began to run announcing that amateur investors using stock trading apps that allow nearly anyone to play the stock markets were eagerly buying up discounted shares in brand-name companies hard hit by the pandemic. The bricks-and-mortar video game chain GameStop was the most popular, but they also sought shares in the ailing cinema giant AMC, the outmaneuvered smartphone maker BlackBerry, and more. The rush of newbie investors to familiar stocks is nothing new. It's usually orchestrated by Wall Street wolves to make a quick buck. But last week it turned out that the irrational enthusiasm of the rubes was unintentionally sabotaging the strategy of some major hedge funds who were already shorting these companies. Essentially, they were betting against these companies' future success. Now, hedge funds are essentially investment clubs for rich people and corporations, and they borrow a lot of money and hire allegedly smart people to make very risky bets against the market. In this case, they were outsmarted by the mob and forced to shell out millions to cover their positions, which also drove up the price of the shares in question. Hearing that the smart money hedge fund managers were crying foul, an internet full of dumb money amateurs, egged on by forums on Reddit, Telegram, and elsewhere, began to swarm towards their favorite stocks as a kind of lucrative revenge. This created a cascade of market maneuvers, and, as the dust settled, billions of dollars have been wiped off the balance books of significant Wall Street firms entangled with the hedge funds, though others appear to have made huge gains. 
and many amateurs made a tidy return on their usually quite small investments. Many did it for the money, others for the delightful joke of it all, still others for revenge. Today's retail investors who are putting the squeeze to the hedge funds are far from the slaves in the story, and the stakes today are relatively low. They are, for all intents and purposes, seeking to use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. Now, it's not simply that they are using, literally, the fintech or financial technology that is represented by apps like Robinhood that were bankrolled and that ultimately benefit hedge funds and other investors. It's also this. For decades, neoliberal thought leaders, government agencies, and NGOs have been strenuously encouraging us little guys to dabble in stock trading based on an ideology which instructs that capitalist markets are the most perfect of humanity's inventions, and if only we all had access, they would manage society better, fairer, and with greater freedom and prosperity than any other system possibly could. So, though it has caused some hedge funds to suffer heavy losses, and it's given Wall Street a black eye, the GameStop affair in many ways signals the victory of financialization. It has been so successful at recasting social reality as a series of investments, and recasting each of us as an isolated competitive risk-taker, that even our resistance takes financialized form. In fact, far from a neoliberal's nightmare, this incident in some way fulfills their prediction that markets always bend towards openness, disruption, the ascent of the little guy, and the creative destruction of old forms. And yet, for those of us who, for a decade since the great financial crisis or more, have dreamed of revenge against Wall Street, this moment is sweet. Especially so as we witness the blatant and naked and even at times absurd hypocrisy of those who, even a week ago, championed neoliberal market participation as the magic solution to the problems neoliberalism itself had created. Rising inequality, racist exclusion, international conflict, and so on. And are now caught trying to put the genie back in the bottle. But the history of capitalism and its financial sectors shows that simply because one of its many contradictions has been revealed for all to see does not mean that anything necessarily changes. The problem with pointing out the threadbare velvet glove that covers the iron fist is, of course, that the fist remains. Ultimately, the GameStop episode will be remembered as merely a momentary blip on markets, a strange and funny abnormality when, when a swarm of ill-informed market newbies, meant to be a light lunch for professional and institutional investors, crashed headlong into some over-leveraged head funds, causing a momentary confusion. It's like a cat walking onto a street and causing a traffic jam as cars swerve to avoid it. For all the cat might arrogantly think he caused the world to turn upside down, the chaos and damage was due to the reckless speeds of the rush hour traffic the cat momentarily interrupted. Now, for all of that, there is that vengeful frisson, the chill up the spine. We can do this. We can make them pay. We are more powerful than they, or we, ever imagined. As anyone who has ever watched riot cops run in retreat or has watched a regime topple from the streets knows, that feeling is as profound as it is haunting. For a moment, one holds in one's hand a long-stolen inheritance, the power to be free 
together. Beyond the particular ideology of the tactics that led to that moment of revolt, it is that irreducible kernel of collective potential from which we are all made, that is, the radical imagination, that sparks in the darkness. Afterward, you can never see the world in the same old light again. Any system of power cannot tolerate the persistence of that flame because it is a constant reminder that the ruling order we have made is arbitrary. It's temporary. It can be changed. Systems of domination not only work to snuff it out through direct violence, but also through subversion, through co-optation, through divide-and-conquer tactics. In the moments following its flare, it is crucial that we mobilize the radical imagination to fan the flames of transformation. In the case of the GameStop affair, there is indeed profound potential. A collective power to disrupt and destabilize capitalism has emerged from within that system's own contradictions. Its insistence that we all become miniature capitalists and play the market casino has opened a small and limited space for tactics of refusal. But of what broader strategy will those tactics be a part? And how will that strategy be oriented by an imagination that reframes this world and allows us to envision worlds yet to come? We desperately need a proliferation of and cooperation between think tanks of the insurgent commons that could analyze these contradictions and potentials and discover ways to leverage them in solidarity with other anti-capitalist movements. These might look like gatherings of activists, artists, scholars, and hackers that would assemble to create opportunities for creative rebellion and reinvention. The GameStop affair was a happy accident and was animated by no unified strategic vision. What would it mean to leverage the power it revealed towards other ends? There are precedents. Anti-debt activists in the US and the UK have found ways to use the same mechanisms subprime debt buyers use and have crowdfunded to buy people out of debt. In the US, the debt collective is trying to mobilize millions of financial subjects into a movement of collective refusal and organizing debt repayment strikes and other forms of solidarity to leverage policy change and build mutual aid and solidarity. At this point, there are more questions than answers. How could the same techniques used to put the squeeze on hedge funds be used to accelerate the defunding and abolition of police and prisons? How might it allow us to take revenge on corporations building mines and pipelines on sacred lands or against climate criminals? What if tens of thousands of mortgage holders refused to pay en masse until their conditions were met? What if everyone withdrew their money from a bank on a specific day? What if we researched how hedge funds responsible for environmental destruction were placing bets and sabotaged them, not at random, as essentially happened with GameStop, but intentionally? I am decidedly not calling for more shareholder activism, more boycotts, or more so-called voting with one's wallet. Rather, I'm calling for thinking that will sharpen, aim, and popularize these tactics as part of larger movements, not just juvenile gestures. I want revenge, too, but revenge in the service of a greater abolitionist avenging, where not only this or that fund crashes, but cracks open in the system such that real change is possible. Key to this will be forming new narratives of the insurgent we, 
Today, the we that mobilized around GameStop was an ideologically confused online swarm, some seeking to make money, others in it for the lulls, others seeking vengeance. All of them had, to some extent, been drawn in by technologies and platforms that have, at their base, the financialized idea that, to paraphrase Margaret Thatcher, there is no such thing as society, simply competitive individuals or households managing risk and investment in an unforgiving world. Thus, the overriding narrative in the wake of the GameStop affair has been the celebration of the little guys finally being able to break into the casino and play with the high rollers. But the casino, and its necessary corruption and violence, is unchanged. It is vital to recognize that capitalism survives and adapts by constantly cycling through new capitalists drawn from the ranks of the oppressed. That some newcomers got rich from an unexpected loophole is not evidence that capitalism is failing, but actually that it's working as planned. Capitalism is singularly and terrifyingly adept at using its own contradictions and crises to drive its mutation because it encourages each and every person to orient their ingenuity, their creativity, and even to a certain extent their sense of justice, fairness, and charity to the task of finding new ways to survive and compete within the system. What other we is hiding in plain sight? How else might we tell the story of our strange collectives that are assembling and evaporating online? Most importantly, how can we link the aspirations and dreams of these collectives to those of other people in struggle around the world? Much hinges on if we can imagine how the drives that animate the GameStop protagonists connect to the struggles of the Zapatistas, to the revolution in Rojava, to the movement for black lives, to struggles for decolonization and popular autonomy, and to humanity's battle against capitalism's climate and ecological terrorism. If we fail to develop such narratives and make them irresistible, we will lose this potential to the far right. They have never been shy of criticizing the so-called parasitism of finance and stroking the egos of the mob, and to the revanchist centrists who will connive to return us to the deadly return to normal. Finally, what the GameStop affair reveals is that ubiquitous networked digital technologies give us profound new methods for cooperating. Even though today these potentials are everywhere foreclosed by corporate paywalls, proprietary code, surveillance capitalism, and the get-rich-quick slogans of false prophets, they nonetheless hold the promise that allows us to coordinate the cooperation of 7 billion or more people in ways that go beyond the chaos of global markets and the failed model of the nation-state. If thousands, perhaps millions of people can move like a swarm to take swift and decisive cooperative action using these tools, of what else are we capable? Capitalism is a system of coerced human cooperation, that includes cooperation with non-humans like animals, vegetables, and minerals. Capitalism uses money and other forms of violence as a lure and a whip to harness our labor and our time to place us in a now increasingly global network of relations that produce the goods and services we need or have learned to need. It is unequal, it is exploitative, it is unsustainable, and it is brutal, but underneath that, capitalism is a system 
of self-replicating patterns of cooperation. To defend and to extend its inequalities and exploitations, capitalism has generated new digital tools of communication and coordination. But capitalism's one and only goal in organizing all of this creative potential is its own limitless reproduction and expansion. Today, there are a proliferation of profoundly interesting experiments in how to use the new digital tools at our disposal to not only organize our movements, but to begin to coordinate our cooperative production and distribution of goods and services, of creativity and of care, in ways that do not rely on markets or an overarching coercive state apparatus. The power exists to reassemble social cooperation fairly, sustainably, and democratically beyond capitalism. Already it is happening in a million places. Mutual aid networks are reinventing care and material provisioning in the austerity pandemic. Queer and trans communities are reinventing the meaning of family and solidarity. Indigenous militants are reclaiming modes of kinship not only between people but also with non-humans as well. The movement for black liberation is dreaming of and creating new futures beyond the white supremacist worldview. Workers of the digital economy are organizing in new ways that exceed and refuse any nostalgia for the capitalism of the past. And everywhere, we are using new digital tools, in spite of their corporate enclosures, to play together, to create together, to love and to learn together in profound new ways. The GameStop frenzy does not, in and of itself, have the power to disrupt or challenge the financial order or the system of capitalism of which that order is a part. But it has opened millions of eyes to the fragilities of that order and the possibilities for resistance and reinvention within our grasp.